our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Uh, in a world full of voices, we ask this morning that you would speak to us and that in the quietness that we would hear your voice. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So it's really good to see you all here this morning. Easter's one of those religious days, kind of like Christmas, that's really widely uh, remembered and celebrated by many. Um, but for those who join in the celebration, there's, there's really two main ways that this day is remembered and celebrated. And the first way you might describe as the way of sentimentality. So sentimentality says we, we found a story. It's a good story, but it's not really true. But it makes us feel better about ourselves and it makes us feel better about life. This, this approach looks at the day as something that is good and to be remembered and to be celebrated, but not something that is really grounded in reality, not something that is grounded in history. The other approach to this day is the approach of what you might call ultimate reality. Ultimate reality says this is true. This is really true. Something really happened on a morning like this, long ago, that changed everything. Over the years, people will often ask me how I became a pastor and, and why it is that I do what I do. Uh, it could be that I'm in it for the money and for the fame. <laughs> It could be that I just love the stress and the messiness of human relationships. It could be that I, didn't, I couldn't find anything else to do. And many people don't know this about me, but actually growing up, I was deathly afraid of public speaking. Uh, even going through high school, through college, um, even now, it is not easy for me. If you gave me the choice, 100 times out of 100, I would rather be on the back row listening to somebody else bear their heart and soul than stand up here before you. But, but the reason why I am up here before you on this day talking to you about the resurrection is because something happened in my life that changed me. It really changed me. I love the story about the man who was born blind that Jesus healed. And after this healing, the religious leaders were interrogating this man about what happened and who did it and how it happened. And his response was basically to all these questions, I don't have the answers, but this is what I know. I was blind and now I see. And it's because of, of that man right there and I, I feel that in a very personal way. For, for me, something happened long ago in a real place, in a real time, with real people that created real ripples that turned into waves that crashed into me 
and changed me and crashed into many of you and has changed you as well. And what we're doing this morning is we are looking at the stone that was dropped into the pond of this world that created the ripples and the waves that changes everything. And that stone is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And this morning, we're looking at our text asking, what does it mean for us? And here's what I want to focus on. The resurrection of Jesus is a work of God. Something that He does that creates new people with new power who live for a new purpose. If you're following along in your worship guide, that's not the way the outline is listed, but we're going in the same direction. The resurrection of Jesus. New people. New power. New purpose. And along the way, asking the question, what does it mean for you? What does it really mean for you? So first, the resurrection of Jesus creates new people. The concept of identity is one that is one of the most talked about ideas in our culture right now. And there are countless approaches that we can take to answer this question of identity of who are we. But I want to highlight how the Bible approaches this question of identity because identity in the Bible is a story of beauty and of brokenness. After every act of creation, we hear this voice of God saying, it is good. It is good. It is good. But there's something that He creates that causes Him to say, it is very good. And that is after the creation of us, of humanity. There's something distinct about humanity that marks us as different from all of the rest of creation. And it's we alone have been made in His image to be like Him in a way like nothing else is. To reflect His character, His heart, His mind, His purposes to the world. It is a story of beauty. It's a story of dignity. It is a story of life. But humanity makes a choice to turn away from this and to live in a different story, seeking to establish life and joy and peace apart from the source. And the results are tragic. So humanity's relationship with God is broken. Humanity's relationship with one another is broken. Humanity's relationship with creation is broken. And something inside of us, inside of every human heart, is broken as well. And the rest of the Bible is a story of God's work to make that right. To heal what is broken. And this work of healing, of making things new, of making things right, is centered upon one person. All the Old Testament builds up to this one person. It's Jesus. And there's so much that's packed into this Romans 6 passage that we are not even going to touch on. But what I want to highlight is this. The heart of what is going on is God is doing something here to reconnect fallen humanity with Himself. To heal what is broken. And at the center of that connection is Jesus. This reconnection only happens in and through Jesus. 
That's why you'll hear phrases like this throughout our passage. In Jesus, in Him, with Jesus, united with Him in His death, united with Him in His resurrection. This idea of union or being joined to Jesus is presented as our only hope. But Jesus realizes that some concepts like these are hard for us to really understand, and so He gives His disciples a picture to make this image of reconnection more clear, and it's a picture of vine and branches. So around our house, we have a number of vines that start in the ground and they go up the trees and that run through the branches. And I don't like these vines, and so I've been trying to get rid of them. But I can't just climb up into the tree and start just pulling on all the branches of the vine to try to get them to come down. Right now, they're, they're too strong and they've got too much life in them. And so what I do is I, I take a machete and I chop the vine. And what that does is it cuts off these branches and these leaves from their source of life so that all, all the nutrients, all the water, all the life that comes out of the ground through this vine is unable to reach the top. Think about that connection in what Jesus says to His disciples when He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. What He's doing is He's trying to help them and help us grasp a little bit of this profound reality of what it means to be connected to Jesus. And how Jesus, as the Son of God, is that source of life that we must be reconnected to. And what happens is when this reconnection is made, it is so profound, it is so powerful that the Bible uses different words to describe it. Words like new birth, new creation. It is a kind of transformation and infusion of new life that creates new people. And the question every one of us must ask on this Easter Sunday is what is our relation to Jesus? What is our connection to that vine? Are we a part of this new creation? Are we new people? And if we are not, what is it that keeps us away? And if we are new people, are we living as new people? Which brings us to our second point. The resurrection of Jesus creates new people who live with new power. So throughout the world, there have been many who have known the pains of being trapped in a form of slavery. So two of the best books that I've read over this past year are Uncle Tom's Cabin and Unbroken. Uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin tells a story of a good man who is trapped in a prison of slavery that he cannot on his own escape from. It's a story of injustice. It's a story of cruelty, of harsh masters, and what it means to have your life completely stolen from you. Unbroken tells a very similar story, but in a very different setting. It takes place in Japan during World War II in a POW camp, which were some of the harshest in the world. They are renowned for their treatment of POWs. And here, a bombardier named Louis finds himself trapped in his own prison of slavery that he cannot escape from. Injustice, cruelty, harsh masters. 
and what it means to have your life stolen from you. We hear those stories and we look at our lives and say, we know nothing of slavery. We are free. And in one sense, that's very true. We have not known that kind of suffering, that kind of entrapment, that kind of slavery. But in another sense, it misses a very, very important lesson that Jesus Himself taught His disciples. Because there was a time when Jesus was teaching to some of the religious leaders in Jerusalem who, like us, were free in so many ways. And Jesus said to them, if you listen and follow what I say, you'll be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when they hear that, it rubs them completely the wrong way. They look at him like he's crazy and they're mad at what he is saying and they say, we're the children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. So why are you telling us that we need to be free? The same response could be for many of us. We live in a democracy. In many ways, we can do whatever we want. We don't need to be set free. We are the model of freedom for the whole world. But what Jesus here is talking about is a different kind of slavery. In His own words, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Don't miss this. Jesus is talking about sin in a very different way than we tend to talk about it. It's not just the breaking of some arbitrary religious rules. It's not just about what we think, about what we say, about what we do. Sin is something that we get trapped in. I've shared this story before, but it's one that has had a, a profound impact on me. Uh, Nelson Mandela was 44 years old when he was in prison for his efforts to, his monumental efforts to end the apartheid in South Africa. He was in prison for 27 years. And I want you to slow down and just think about what has happened in your life in the past 27 years, if you have been alive for 27 years. Think about all that you miss out on in 27 years of imprisonment. All that happens in the world, all that happens in your family, all that happens with your friends, all that happens in your body. Time that you cannot get back, no matter what. He was 71 when he was released, and as he was walking out of the prison, he would later reflect on how he was feeling. He says, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I did not leave my bitterness and my hatred behind, I would still be in prison. Let that sink in. He knows something about the human heart that we, in all of our freedom, in all of our privileges, take for granted. That there can be ways in which we can be completely free, but trapped in a slavery that we are completely blind to. I want you to think about some of the, the more well-known sins that the Bible talks about. Things like greed, pride, envy, gluttony. 
self-centeredness, lust. These are not just things that we do or things that we think about. Each one of those is a kind of slavery that we get locked into. This is the way sin works. It offers something. We take it. It gives us something, but not quite what we want, not what we need. And so we go back for more. It gives us something, not quite what we want, not quite what we need. We go back for more. And this creates a cycle and a pattern. And what happens is we become entrapped. We become what Jesus described as slaves to sin. And the result is a kind of life that doesn't give life back, but takes it away. Think about how sin is talked about in this passage. Verse 6, sin is something that enslaves. Verse 12, sin is something that reigns with power. Verse 14, sin is something that has dominion. Verse 18, sin is something we need to be set free from. Verse 20, sin is something that keeps us from being free to follow God. Verse 23, sin is something that leads to death. Why all this talk about sin on Easter Sunday? Because Jesus came and His resurrection is not just about forgiveness. It is the greatest act of liberation. It is an announcement of what God is doing through His Son to set us free. The resurrection of Jesus creates new people who live with a new power. And this brings us to our final point. The resurrection of Jesus creates new people who live with this new power, who live for a new purpose. The question of purpose is the simple question of what are you living for? What motivates you? What drives you? What, what shapes and guides your life and the decisions you make? Not just the big decisions, but the micro decisions that you make every single day. Every day we are making decisions about who or what we will serve and who or what we will give our lives to. And those decisions are producing some kind of fruit. Fruit that will either lead to life or fruit that will lead to death. And the message of the resurrection is this. Choose life. Choose joy. Choose freedom. Jesus came, verse 6, that we might no longer be enslaved to sin. And verse 4, that we might walk in the newness of life. In 2020, there was a documentary that came out on the design and the use of social media called The Social Dilemma. I don't know how many of you have seen it, but it's a fascinating story of how they interviewed all these different designers of many of the social media platforms that we use today. And they were interviewing these people who had designed these platforms and these algorithms for something that they thought was incredibly good. But what they saw is that that this, these platforms and these purposes were being turned in a very different way. And they were interviewing and describing how they wrote different programs to grab your attention and to pull you in and to keep you in and to pull you in deeper and deeper so that you become more dependent, so that you click more, so that you look more, so that you scroll more, so that it becomes more and more a part of your life. And this is how... One of the designers put it in a very blunt way. He said, the question we asked was, how much of your life can we get you to give to us? Think about that as you're scrolling and clicking. 
that somewhere someone is asking the question, how much of your life can I get you to give to me? How can we draw you in deeper and deeper and how can we keep you in the heart of God and of His Son is something very, very different. Driven by a relentless pursuit of our good, the Father, the Son, Spirit working together turn that question upside down. So that what they ask together is how much of our life can we give to you? That is what the cross and the resurrection is about. When we think about Jesus strung up, crucified, wearing a crown of thorns, dying for us, that is God saying, this is how much of my life that I can give to you. And as Jesus was raised from the dead with power, with new life, to give us new life, the question is, how much of our life can we give to you? God holding nothing back to give us what we need most. I don't know how all of that hits you personally. Uh, it may be that you're not willing to concede a sin problem, but for all of us, there is no way to escape the reality of a death problem. Death is something that none of us can escape. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we might not want to, we all must go there. And it is like a prison that locks, that we cannot get out of on our own. And the question of Easter Sunday is, is there a way out? The resurrection of Jesus on this Sunday is an announcement by God to all the world that He has made a way out. And it is through his son. Acts 2. God raised Jesus up, freeing him, for it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. What happens is Jesus does the prison break, and our hope of escaping death only happens by our being in him and being joined to him. The picture that I've been thinking about is kind of us riding his coattails up as he plunges himself out of death into life. That we rise with him. That's what we celebrate here. Don't miss how this passage ends. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our escape from sin, our escape from death, does not come as a result of our being good. It does not come as a result of our trying hard. It comes as a gift given from a bountiful and generous heart that is willing to go to incredible lengths to give us life, to give us hope. It's God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. I want to close with some words of Jesus. Words that He spoke directly in the face of death. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me or trusting in me will never die. And he ends with a question. 
And I'll end with that same question to you. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Our good Lord, You are the resurrection and the life. Help us to see. Help us to believe. In Your great name. Amen.